Hello, and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Phil. I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. We're here to provide great Christian content so that we can all be courageous in mission, Bible-saturated, spirit-dependent, and loving of others. We're going to look at the Bible now, but if this is your first time with us, then why not hit like and subscribe below to stay in touch. If you would like to get involved in the life of the church, you can get in contact with me or with my wife through the email address on the screen next to me or below in the show notes. We'd love to have a chance to meet you and get to know you. We'd love to get you involved in some of our life groups and our midweek prayer meetings. There's a thriving church community which you could be a part of and we'd love to have you with us. We're also meeting in person on Sunday mornings at Arch Road in Hersham at 10.30. We'd love to have you with us. It'd be great to worship in person with you in the way that God intends us to. We've got a fully COVID-secure service. We've got a full programme of kids' work. And we'd love to have you back with us this Sunday or whenever you feel able to come. It's safe, it's secure, and it's a time of real rejoicing and renewal. So do come and meet with us at 10.30 on Sundays Arch Road in Hersham. Well, we're going to look at the Bible now. We're in the midst of a series of talks looking at God's 10 rules for life. God's 10 rules for life. If you haven't seen the first few of these talks, you might want to go back and look at the playlist. You can find it at the end of this talk. It will flash up on the screen. And see the background to something of what I'm talking about today. Because today we're going to be linking about the fourth of God's 10 rules for living, God's 10 rules for life. And here's my lunchtime summary of this rule. To live well, we must learn to rest, to rejoice, and to rely on Jesus. To live well, we must learn regularly to rest, rejoice, and rely on Jesus. To live well, we must learn regularly to rest, rejoice, and rely on Jesus. Well, the ten rules that God gives us for life are summarised in several places in the Bible. Indeed, one way of understanding most of the Bible is to see it as an unpacking of how God wants us to live out these ten rules. But the first and, and the clearest place is Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to read Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read the first four rules. We're building them up gradually, week on week. And then we can think about what this one means in a bit more detail. So here we go. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And every week I pause the reading there and point out that these are not rules that make us right with God. It's not that you have to keep every single one of these and then God will accept you. God acts in grace and mercy and he has acted in grace and mercy to bring you to himself. When Israel received these rules, God had already set them free. And he can already set you free before you've done anything else, if you'll put your trust in Jesus. But having established his grace and his mercy, God goes on to explain the rules that show us how we should live as his people. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. God should be our ultimate end. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers and to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. 
but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. We must worship God for who he really is in the way he really wants. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This was last week's rule. We must respect God's name in what we say and what we do. And then we come to the fourth of the rules. Remember the Sabbath day, literally the rest day, by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and made it holy. The fourth command, this idea of Sabbath or rest, doesn't come out of nowhere. It's something that's already been established. If you want to find it, you can find it throughout the uh, Bible before this moment, even as, as, as up to the point of Exodus chapter 16, where Moses explains to the children of Israel that they should gather bread for six days, but on the seventh day they should rest Sabbath and trust that God would provide for them. It worked as both a protection for the people, a reminder of what God had done for them already, and a sign pointing them to what he would do for them in the future. This raises two questions that we need to think about. First, what does a rule about the Sabbath day, the rest day, actually mean? And second, how should we obey it? What does it mean and how should we obey it? Well, in order to explain what it means, I'm going to turn now to a video produced by the great people at the Bible Project. They produce these wonderful animations, and they produce one that explains the story of Sabbath, of rest, in the Bible, from the very first depiction of God's creation of the world, which has rest at its core and its end, all the way through to Jesus and how he fulfills what was promised earlier. So we're going to see something of that video now, and then we're going to come back together and think about how we should obey it in our day. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But 
How? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and he liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him, or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As the video explained, for Israel in the Old Testament, the idea of a Sabbath, of a rest, regular periods of rest and worship, characterised large parts of their life. We think of the Sabbath day as a, as a day off every week, but there were also seven days off during the year. Every seventh year was a day off. Every seven times seven years, there was a year off, in, so to speak, in which debts were forgiven and so on. 
The most obvious and regular one of these periods of Sabbath, of rest, was the weekly one, the day off every week. It was a strictly observed day when people should do no work and instead give their attention to God and to resting and trusting in him. Now, as with the other rules, as with the other commandments, we need to understand not simply what they meant before Jesus came, but what they mean to us now for those who are living after Jesus came. We saw in our very first talk that Jesus said, I haven't come to to do away with any of the law, but I have come to fulfil it. In other words, what it means for us now is slightly different from what it meant for them, because our situation's changed. We see Jesus, we live in the light of what he's done. Our situation is different, in other words. As Paul puts it in Colossians 2, and verse 16 to 17, Therefore let nobody judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. In other words, what he's saying is, don't let anyone judge anyone else for how they treat the Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. In other words, we don't strictly obey the Old Testament law as if we were living in a world where Jesus had never come. Jesus has come. He's taught us. He's fulfilled the law for us. And so what it means for us now is different. We don't need to have a strict Sabbath in the way that the Old Testament law said Israel should. But we do need to understand what it was that God was teaching through it. Why did he give us this rule for life in the first place? What were the reasons behind it and what do they mean for us now? Well, the first reason that's given for uh, this commandment, this rule of life, is rest. We need rest. So God commands us to take rest. There's two parts to that. We need regular rest. Studies have shown that without consistent time off, work becomes less and less productive. According to uh, the most recent studies, after 50 hours of work a week, in other words, after six days of work, your productivity falls off a cliff. It just makes no sense at all for human beings to work seven days a week. The seventh day of work is almost worthless in terms of what it produces. We need rest. This is why the creation story is framed in the way it was. People differ over whether or not uh, it means seven 24-hour periods in Genesis 1. Many of the ancient church, like Augustine, saw that not as a description of a literal series of days, although it may be that as well, but most importantly, teaching us who God is and who we are and what we need. And what that story says is we need to rest God teaches us that we will grow tired and we need to be refreshed. He doesn't grow tired and need to be refreshed, but we do. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, for human beings. Not human beings for the Sabbath. We need a day of rest and God gave us one. Why is it that God had to enforce us doing something that that we need anyway? Well, it's because we become destructive to ourselves and to other people. So I don't know if you noticed in the reading we had from Exodus, the uh, commandment is framed as not only commanding individuals to take rest, but giving other people rest as well. It's for your male servant and your female servant, for your sons and your daughters. 
In other words, don't rest and rely on other people to do your work for you. Make sure they rest as well. And I think what God is getting at here is that he knows that our hearts become deceitful and greedy. And actually, though we need to rest and everyone else needs to rest, sometimes the lure of money and of gaining stuff is too much for us. So we need to set ourselves boundaries. There are boundaries around which we won't work. So first of all, it's about rest. We need to rest regularly. Secondly, it's about rejoicing. When the commandments repeated in Deuteronomy 5, when they recapitulate this, Moses chooses to draw out a second reason for the rule. And that's that the children of Israel must remember in the words of Deuteronomy 5, that the Lord your God brought you out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. In other words, the day of rest is a time to focus our minds on what God has done for us and to give us an opportunity to rejoice and to worship him for it. It's a day for remembering that God has saved us and set us free, for rejoicing and and resting in his grace. Now this works in two ways. The first way that it focuses our mind on rejoicing in God is because we choose to put God first. We choose to say that actually there's a day of the week when work is not the most important thing. God is. And actually, that might go for other things as well. You might be someone who plays football every morning of the week. But maybe Sunday morning shouldn't be that day. It's a chance to say, other things aren't what's most important to me. God is. Other things don't control me. I choose to worship God. The second, the second way that this works is, by taking a day of rest, of course, we make time to worship. We make time to feed our souls and our minds and to glorify God forever. If we never take a day off, coming to church is going to be really difficult. Finding anything to nourish our souls and our minds and our, our hearts is going to be really difficult. So it's about rejoicing. And then the third reason is that it's about relying on God, relying on Jesus. And this flows from the previous two aspects. We, we stop work because we trust God to provide for us. That's both spiritual and practical applications. Practically, we believe that if we take a day off in obedience to what God has said, we will be okay. Because ultimately we trust God to provide for us. You want to see how this works. I don't have time to read it now, but go back and read Exodus 16. You find there the story of how the people of Israel gathered bread every day of the week and then God said, don't gather it on the Sunday. Trust me and you'll have enough. We trust God enough that we don't have to work every day of the week. It's also spiritual. The Sabbath is there to teach us. It teaches us to rest in what Jesus has done for us. He gives us rest from striving, from striving to be good enough, striving to fulfil other people's expectations, striving to rid ourselves of guilt and shame, striving to prove ourselves worthy of our parents' affection, striving to... uh, establish a name for ourselves, striving to find our identity. The Sabbath day says, don't. Rest in what Jesus says. Rest in what he has done. Rest in who he says you are. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest.
I will make you Sabbath. We rest in the grace of God bought for us by Jesus and we look forward to the rest he will purchase for us in heaven. So I tried to explain some of the, some of the theory behind the Sabbath and what it means for us in principle. I want to finish by answering some practical questions. And I know that these are out there because I get asked them a lot. Believe it or not, the, the question I was asked most often when I said I was teaching about the Ten Commandments is what about the Sabbath? So I'm going to try and answer some practical questions. First, if you haven't found the rest that God offers for us in Jesus, then God's word to you today is come to Jesus. The meaning of the Sabbath for you is that you don't have to strive in your own strength anymore. You don't have to carry these burdens in your own strength anymore. Come to Jesus and find rest for your souls. It's to you that Jesus is saying, come to me or you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He says that to you. Turn from your old life. Stop trying to do it yourself. Come to him and trust him and be baptised and he will take that burden from you and give you rest. But then what about practically how we relate to the Sabbath? How about Sundays? What about Sunday shopping and those kinds of questions? Well, let's answer them now. First, should we take a day off work every week? Yeah, I guess that's the first question. Should we actually take a day off every week? I would say yes, absolutely. Christians should do everything they can to have one complete day off every week. It's the pattern God has established. Obviously, there are some for whom that might not be possible. You might be working in a key service or on shift work and you have to work eight and four or something like that. I'm, I'm fully aware that it might not be possible. But that should be the exception. The rule should be that we have a day off work every week. Second, what should we do with our day off? Well, first of all, rejoice. Our first priority when we have a day off work is to worship, come to church. Gathering together on our day of rest is really important. YouTube is fine for a brief period while we can't meet together. But it isn't the norm and it never will be. We need to push ourselves to come to church. That is inconvenient. But we need to ask ourselves whether God and the worship of him and meeting with others and the state of our souls is more important to us than other things. And the answer should be, yes, it is. Worship is also good for us. It refreshes our soul in a way that nothing else ever does. We need it. And then, having rejoiced, we should rest. Go out, have fun. Play sports with your friends. Watch films with your family. Go and call your parents. Go out with a friend. Do whatever gives you joy and peace and happiness. Learn a musical instrument. If we take a day of rest every week, we have time to do the things that bring us joy, that nourish us. Number three, this is one I get often asked, can I go to the shops or go to the cinema, for example, on a Sunday? Yes, I would say there's no law against it. But I would want you to bear in mind something, and I try and bear this in mind, what, this, what uh, Moses said to Israel about those male and female servants again. You see, we might take a day off on a Sunday and be free to go to church and to worship and to enjoy ourselves. But if we also go shopping on a Sunday morning, what we're saying to the shop is you need to employ all these people on this time. 
In other words, they can't take their day off because I choose to shop. Practically, what does this mean? I think it means we ought to go easy on ourselves about shopping if we need to shop on a Sunday, but we ought to see if we can do it on a different day. If you can shop on a Saturday, for example, or during the week, do that instead. Don't go to the shops on a Sunday if you you don't have to. In terms of other forms of entertainment or the cinema or the football or something, I would suggest not doing it on a Sunday morning. Why? Because I think shops should give their their people time off to go to church. I think they need time to rejoice with us. It's not a law, I'm not binding your conscience, but that's what my view is. Finally, should our day of rest be a Saturday, a Sunday or another day? Well, there's no hard and fast rule about this. It's not that a Saturday is is a magic day or the Sunday is a magic day. However, Christians have for thousands of years chosen to worship on a Sunday. It's the day when Jesus rose from the dead. It's the first day of the week and we begin the week with God. It's when church normally is and it is a good and helpful pattern if we are able to make Sunday our day off. For what it's worth, they are my views on practically how we should live this out. To live well, we must learn regularly to rest, to rejoice, and to rely on Jesus.